Well, we have an amazing speaker today. Pastor Rick Benjamin is going to be bringing the word. I love Pastor Rick. He is such a blessing to this church. I don't know if you knew this, but he was a senior pastor here for 19 years and, and he passed it on to Pastor Josh, but he is still a part and such a part of this community in this church and he loves this church. He's basically born in this church and he continues to come and to serve in every way that he can. So let's welcome Pastor Rick Benjamin. Brothers and sisters, family, guests, visitors, welcome. One and all, Unite Church, good morning. This week is Veterans Day. On Wednesday, it's Veterans Day, a holiday. So we want to take the time in this service today to say thank you. If you are a veteran in any of the military services, or we'll include you too if you're active duty, reserve, guard, anybody military, would you stand up and and honor you for your serving us, for what you did, for what you're doing. Thank you. I never had that privilege, military service. Often have wished I had. I feel like I missed out on some important things, but I'm really grateful. So thanks to all of you. The message begins in John 17. We'll have the verses on the screen for you today. It's from the New Living Translation. This was the night before Jesus died on the cross. It was the night he was in the upper room when the Lord's Supper, you know, became the way we remember him on the cross. With his disciples, he was teaching them many important things. He was telling them, I'm leaving. And then as he taught them, in a small group in that upper room, he just lifted up his eyes and began to seek to someone else. He began to talk to his father, God, in heaven, and he got to hear God the Son speak to God the Father, and John was there, and he remembered, and he wrote it down. And here it is. This is what he said. He prayed for them because they were so important, those disciples. They were the plan. Through them, the world would hear the good news. And there was no plan B. There was just them. So they were so important. But then he began to pray for us. What a wonder. Here it is. John 17, verse 20. It's coming. And I'll just read it. The words of Jesus. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray they all may be one. Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. And then he said, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So he prayed for them and he prayed for all of us who would ever believe in him because of their word. And he prayed for us to be one. And he prayed for us to be one in such a way that the world would see it and they would notice and they would realize they are from him. They are like him. God really did send him, Jesus, into the world. Thanks to Unite Church for letting me speak this Sunday morning. 
for the first time ever, and I've been a pastor in this church for 40 years as of last month, first time ever I asked if I could speak at Unite Church. And I'll tell you why. You'll understand why in a moment. And everybody here was very gracious and said yes. Thanks to Mark Drake, our brother and guest speaker, has been here, and he's going to be here after this week, but he allowed this interruption in his series here at Unite. I appreciate that a lot. We're coming through so many things, like Reed said, coming through this controversial week this week with this national election. I'm not going to say much about it, but I will make this comment. It reminds me of 28 years ago, 1992, when there was a presidential election and President Bush I was the president one term and he had won the Gulf War and we all thought he'll be reelected and then President Clinton beat him. And many Christians were in despair and surprised and shocked. I was surprised. And then a man of God that I respect, his name is Pastor Jack Hayford from the Foursquare Church. He's pastor of the Church on the Way in Southern California. He's a really wonderful man of God. Jack Hayford spoke out and he said, Jesus didn't lose the election. In fact, he wasn't even running. (laughs) I just love that statement. I love that wisdom And so I'm here to say, whoever you voted for, however it turned out, after all the dust has settled, our God is on the throne and Jesus is Lord. But humbly, I hope, I believe what I'm speaking about today is more important than any election. We'll see if you agree. All this summer in America, we've been grieved and challenged by tragic examples of what looks like racial injustice in America. We all saw that man die, George Floyd. Whatever we know about him, whatever kind of life he lived, whoever he was, all of us in our conscience just know no one should die like that. We just all know that's wrong. Whatever happened there, that's wrong. And other things have happened through this summer. And so then we've all been shocked and kind of horrified by violence, which is wrong. It's sin. It's a crime. All the looting and all those violent type protests. Many cities, thank God, not in Anchorage, but all over. And I think all of us have felt helpless, powerless. And then sometime this summer, I got a phone call from Pastor Andre Parker of Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Anchorage. And Pastor Parker invited me to become a partner with him in an initiative that we started together called Reconciliation, Race, Justice, and the Gospel. And that's the title of the message this morning, too. Right away, I said yes to Pastor Parker inviting me into this. I love that word reconciliation. And right away I could tell his spirit was not to blame anybody or not to change anybody really. I'm going to say it this way. This whole initiative has never once made me feel bad about being a white guy. Do you know what I'm trying to say now? It's not like that. I wanted to get to know him better. He's relatively new at Shiloh. He's a younger minister in Anchorage. And I've appreciated getting to know him. And so I said yes, and I was intrigued by the way he wanted to do it. He wanted to start with dialogues of white pastors 
and dialogues of black pastors, all Christians, on the same day in two different places, interacting with the same questions. And then later, bringing those two groups together and talking to each other. It's been a wonderful experience. That's all I can say. And I'll tell you more about it today. I want you to see a video from Pastor Parker. He's standing in the auditorium at Shiloh. He's talking about what we've been doing and what's happening today. So, Meredith, can we show that video? Pastor Andre Parker. It is with great joy that I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My name is Andre Parker. I am the senior pastor at Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church here in Anchorage. As some of you may be aware, we have started an initiative in our community amongst pastors and faith leaders called Reconciliation, Race, Justice, and the Gospel. I'm grateful for all the pastors and faith leaders for joining in this necessary and urgent task of engaging in racial justice dialogues in our own lives, in our churches, and in the community. As God moves among us during this time, I only ask that you be open to the move of God's spirit. Pray for us as we seek to stand together as one voice as we seek to maintain the unity in the one body of Christ, as we seek to build intentional relationships across ethnicity, as we labor to be true ministers of God's reconciliation. Keep your eyes and your ears open for opportunities where we as the body of Christ can come together. I'm sure your leaders will share those opportunities with you when that time comes. The church must be the model for the world. Sitting down together, sharing our experiences, listening and learning from one another so that healing can take place and reconciliation can be forged. The church must take the lead and the church must be the light. Thank you for allowing me to share with you this moment. Let us turn to God in humility Trust him by faith, and he will bless us with his love. He will make us one by the power of the cross. He will help us to develop one heart and voice in our witness to the world. God bless you and keep you in his powerful grip. Amen. And it has happened. I've gotten to know this brother very well during these last months. He's a man of character. He's very spirit-led. He's very wise. It's been a delight to work with him. We started this initiative with this most pressing issue, which has been black and white in this country. And people have asked us from the beginning, when will you include Native Alaskan Christian leaders in this initiative? The answer is we're going to. We always plan to. In fact, we've already begun to do that. That's kind of our next step to include Native Alaskan pastors and Christian leaders in this dialogue. We've learned a lot. One thing we learned is that all the pastors have not been silent. Everybody really involved in this has spoken out about race and justice and love in their own congregations. And that's good news. And one of them is our own lead pastor, Josh Tanner, who's on sabbatical today. I love you, my brother. Get better and come back better. Amen. But in June, on the 7th of June, Josh Tanner stood here and gave a wonderful pastoral, prophetic message that he called, Stand in Love. It was great. I was just so proud of him. And I encourage anyone, if you haven't heard that message, 
on Unite website. Look for it. Stand in love, June 7th. But after all this dialogue, all these pastors, we felt like a Christian voice is not being heard. Think about it. What voices have you heard about all this all this summer? Anger, voices of outrage, uh, voices of victimization, and like I said, violence even. But when you think about it, we haven't heard a strong Christian voice to say, this is what God has to say about all of this. And so we picked up a verse. It's Romans 15, verse 5 and 6, where Paul said, May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus, then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. One voice in unity and worship, and one voice to speak for the Lord to the world. So we crafted carefully a statement about all of this that was published in the Anchorage Daily News on October 12th. You could find it, and it was really important words to us. And I want to... Uh, tell you that this statement is sort of the foundation for this message today. And the Bible verses in the statement are some of the Bible verses I'm using this morning. I'm going to show you some pictures of the people that have been involved in this whole dialogue and this initiative. There's a bunch of us. Of course, we're doing it all on Zoom and sometimes in person too. You might see some faces you recognize there. And this was just last Thursday. We prayed. We had a great prayer time. There you go, some in person, some in Zoom. These are all solid Christian ministers, people who love Jesus and the Bible. They're from a variety of churches. In fact, I have a list. You want to see who's been involved so far? There we go. There's Andre and me and Pastor Merrill Williams. You might know him. A brother named Martine Robinson. Keep going. There's Tommy Leonard and Kim Patterson at ACC and my brother Kent Redfern. Pastor Andy at St. John Methodist, Reverend Mike Burke at St. Mary's Episcopal Church. Uh, the list goes on. Pastor May, Pastor Michael Snow, Michael Bunton over at Greater Friendship, Joel Keekenfeld at Cross Point. These are all friends and brothers. Randy is the head of all the Southern Baptists in Alaska. That's Randy Covington. Pastor Tim Davis at the chapel, Reverend Dave Dobler at All Saints and so on. It's up to about 30 or 35 of us now. By the way, it's just about 50-50, white and black. And we found out some things right away. Us white pastors in Anchorage, we came from Alaska or from Minnesota or Michigan or Pennsylvania. And I'm just going to tell you, we're all pretty white. And, you know, our collective feeling was we don't think we're racist. We don't want to be racist. But we kind of feel a little not ignorant, you might say. We want to know. And the black brothers in Anchorage, most of them came from the south, Georgia, Texas, Louisiana, and they've had very different experiences. When we all came together, we began to learn this. Now, here's something I want to say about today. This Sunday, November 8th, 2020, something historic is happening, maybe even right now, because all these pastors, about 30 or 35 of them, on this same day, we're all speaking this same message with one voice. How do you like that? We call it one message with many voices because we're all going to do it in all of our ways. I can't preach like Andre Parker, and he's not going to try to preach like me. We're all going to do it our ways, but it's the same message. And we were in the Daily News this week. We had a press conference about this outside. There's a picture of us, and we announced all of this. And we think it's kind of historic. 
I can't remember a time. I was born in Anchorage. I've lived here over 64 years. I can't remember a day when a bunch of us decided to do the same thing on the same day. Praise God. And if you're a guest today because you heard about this and you wanted to hear a Christian message and you came to this church and you chose us, welcome. No pressure, no strings attached. We're glad you're here. All these people I showed you, all those names, we're Christians, we're pastors. We're Bible guys. Our authority is the Bible. We're not politicians. We're not sociologists. So we've been committed to stay in our lane. You know what I mean? Our authority is the Bible. So we're going to speak from the Bible today. All right. It's not a political message today. It's a Christian message based on the Bible spoken by pastors to churches in the name of Jesus. So here we go. I'm going to make some quotes from that statement. And here's one. The Bible we embrace as the very word of God clarifies that all humanity has dignity and is worthy of respect and honor because we're created in God's image. So let's go there. The first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. The first chapter of the first book of the Bible. Here's God speaking in the original creation. 126, God said, let us make human beings in our image. To be like us, they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image, male and female. He created them. What does that mean? It means that we are made to look like God on the inside. It means that we are made to have relationship with God. He made us for that purpose. It means that every human being deserves respect and dignity and love. Regardless of any other differences, people are people, and they deserve love. Yes, black lives matter, and white lives matter, and every life matters, because every human being, male and female, regardless of ethnicity, is made in the image of God. Like one of the pastors said in prayer this week, the problem is not skin, the problem is sin. So I'll say it to you now. Racism is a sin. It's a sin because it it blasphemes. It's almost a sacrilege against the image of Almighty God in all of us. That's what makes it a sin. Now, if that's true, and we believe it is, then racism is not just political or economic or sociological. It's deeper. It's spiritual. It's a spiritual issue that points to a spiritual cure, praise the Lord. Racism being a sin means that it's part of the universal human condition. Everybody, all of us. Here's what we mean. The Bible teaches that every human being is a mix of, I'm going to call it, beauty and brokenness. The beauty is the image of God, which is in every person. But the brokenness came in because of sin. The sin of Adam and Eve, our first parents, and the sin of every parent, grandparent, child, son, daughter, for every generation, right down to you and me. So we have this mix. And the sin in all of us is what messes everything up. Because this is true, then this means racism more or less is in all of us. All human beings seem to be afraid of that which is different than me. That's that sin. All human beings have a tendency to pride. Come on. This is not a revelation to any of us here. We all have this need to feel better than others. Okay, those are all where racism lies. 
regardless of position, regardless of ethnicity, everybody is infected with this brokenness, this sin issue that includes the sin of racism. It also means this. It means the fight against racism will go on forever in this life. They talk about, we're going to fix this. We're going to cure this. Well, there's a cure coming. And when he comes, it'll be gone into the past. That's right. But until that day, we're still going to struggle with this inside of us, between us, in cities and countries and so on. But here's the good news. And I said it a moment ago. Because racism is a sin, it means it can be forgiven. It is a spiritual problem, but praise God, he has provided the spiritual answer. Jesus, he came and he died for all of our sins on the cross, including this sin of racism. First John 2, 2, the apostle said, he himself, Jesus, is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. Not only for our sins, but the sins of all the world. I'm telling you today, our message is not so much a rebuke against racism, And injustice, it includes that. But our message is a challenge to see it the way God sees it. To see the world the way God sees the world. To see people the way God sees people. To have a vision that God himself has in his great heart of what it can look like. To catch some of God's vision of unity and love between all of us. That's the message today. Now my wife and I, my awesome, beautiful wife, Dolores Benjamin, 42 years. We, a long time ago in the 1970s, when we were younger, we were followers of Andre Crouch and the Disciples. Now, you might not know who Andre is. Just look him up. He was an awesome Christian songwriter and singer. And the Disciples was his group. And every concert that we could get to, Dolores and I went. I wanted to be Andre Crouch. (laughs) And I think Dolores wanted to be Danny Bell Hall. And, I mean, we were groupies in Tacoma and Seattle. In fact, Andre came here one time. He had a concert at the old uh, sports arena. Remember that place down there? I have black vinyl records. I still have them. I kept them. Andre. Now, this man, a Christian brother, later became a pastor of a church in California. Andre was gifted by God to write very spiritual songs. Something about Andre's songs were very anointed, is the word we use. Like this one. He wrote this song as a teenage kid, spontaneously. The whole song came out of him one day. The blood that Jesus shed for me, way back on Calvary. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. And one that you probably all know, and we sang in church here forever, to God, sing it, be the glory, to God, be the glory, to God, be the glory, for the things he has done. That's Andre. Beautiful song. Okay. I'm saying all that to say this. All this year, when I'm watching TV, when I'm seeing all this sin and all this anger and all this violence and just hopelessness, it's like a soundtrack in the back of my mind. It's this Andre song. Jesus is the answer 
for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. That's almost the whole song. Jesus is the answer. I almost want to shout it to the TV. (laughs) You poor, lost, hurting, angry, hopeless people. Jesus is the answer. We have the answer. We know the answer. Jesus is the answer to racism. In fact, he's the only real answer to racism. So we have this wonderful verse and this word reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. How many have been reconciled to God through Jesus? Keep the hand up. It means you're in the ministry. You have received the ministry, this task, this gift, this wonderful message called reconciliation. You know, Jesus modeled reconciliation, didn't he? Don't you love Jesus? Don't you love the stories in the Gospels? Jesus included everybody. The Samaritan woman, the centurion, the lady whose daughter was demon-possessed, the woman who was bleeding. He included Gentiles, lepers. He touched them. He included women. Yes, he did. Tax collectors. Remember this? Sinners. They called Jesus, you're a friend of sinners. Yes, he is. (laughs) Prostitutes. All the marginalized people of that day. He reached out and included every one of them. What was he doing? Showing us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Reconciling them to him and to God and to community once again. And now Christians like you and me and pastors and churches bring this wonderful message of reconciliation to the world. Reconciliation vertically between each of us and God and also horizontally one another all because of Jesus. And this message of reconciliation we call the gospel. And that word means the good news. We bring the good news. Quoting again from our statement, we will seek to let the world know that God has sent us for this purpose, just as he sent Jesus into the world to reconcile all back to himself. And now the church, you and me, ordinary, anonymous, faithful Christians, brothers and sisters, we are the place where every ethnic group can be reconciled as one in Jesus, because of Jesus. So now three verses right in a row to talk about what we all know so well about what the church is and what the church should look like. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share in the same spirit. The metaphor is a human body with all the diversity, different parts and functions and roles. That's what the body of Christ should look like. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Here there is no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Those things, in a way, don't matter anymore because we're all one. And here's the third one, Ephesians 4. Make every effort. Listen to those words. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body. Watch the word one. One. 
and one spirit, just as you have been called into one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's right. One God and Father of all, who is over all and living through all. Question. How many churches are in Anchorage? You got there ahead of me. (laughs) Because very often the answer, and this is accurate too, there's about 300 Christian churches in Anchorage, Alaska. If you count Catholic, Orthodox, mainline, denomination, non-denominational, charismatic, Pentecostal, about 300 local churches, fellowships. Okay, I'll ask it again so you can say it together. How many churches are there in Anchorage? It's the truth. There really is only one. It's made of all the believers in Jesus Christ and all those local fellowships and congregations. That's right. In one way, we're already unified because of the one spirit in all of us. I meet a Christian. There's the same spirit. I visit a church. Guess who's already there? The one spirit. Sure. Sometimes in places where you and I might be surprised to find him. (laughs) What does that mean? It means the Spirit is more generous in character than you and me. That's exactly what it means. Don't let them tell you we're all divided. We're not. There's only one. But in another way, like it says, we must make every effort to preserve it. Here's how it works. Jesus died on the cross and paid for this unity to be a reality. It's the unity he prayed for that night in the upper room. We read it. And he prayed, remember, that it would be seen by the world, not just among us. Jesus said it this way in the upper room. They will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. And Pastor Andre said it in his video. The church must be the model for the world. And so one last time from our statement. This initiative will seek to show the world, beginning with our communities and our city, that the diverse body of Christ is united in Christ. Make every effort, he said. Just ask yourself, have I made every effort? Who can say yes? There's always more we can do. So you may be asking, what can I do? Thank you for asking. And I'm going to give you a list right now of what you can do to be part of this wonderful aspiration of unity in the body of Christ. I'll give you a list. You ready? Might want to write these down. First of all, pray. Every list should begin with that word pray, right? The first thing you always do about anything is pray, really. And I'm going to make it very specific, and I'm going to challenge you a bit right here. You ready for a challenge? Pray something like this. God, is there something in me that I don't see? God, is there some hidden racism, prejudice, discrimination in me? And then be courageous enough to pray this way. Show me. God hears prayers like that, you know. What did you say? You want me to show you? Okay. My daughter, okay, my son, here it comes. And then, of course, as God shows you, ask him to forgive you. Jesus already paid for it. It's already there for you. Now, I'm going to give you a psalm. I don't have a slide for this, Meredith. That's all right. It's Psalm 19. Listen to what the psalmist said. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Don't get your fuses blown here, but this is how sin is. We got sin in us that we don't even know. After all, we were born with it, and we're kind of accustomed to it. And yeah, you know what that means? It means that God, in his patience, allows something to stay in you sometimes for years. And then one day he says, my son, look at this. Was that there all along? Yeah. 
That's how patient God is. But he wants you to become aware of those, like he said, hidden faults. The next verse says, keep your servant from deliberate sins. Well, those are the ones we know about. So he's praying for both kinds of sin. And finally, he says, a beautiful prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Sometimes they're heart sins that are hidden deep in there. Attitudes, hurts, assumptions. Yes, all those things. And God does want to help you and me with those things. It's been happening to me this year. I've become aware. I wasn't such a nice guy as I thought I was. (laughs) And it's been wonderful. Okay, pray. Number two, pray again for unity. Pray for the prayer Jesus prayed in John 17. Pray for unity between Christians, between us as members of this local church. Absolutely. If we're all fighting and divided and hating, we cannot be a model to anybody of how it's supposed to be. So pray where it starts at home, your family, this church, and then between pastors. Don't you like it when pastors get together? Don't you like it when churches cooperate? We all know inside that's how it's supposed to be. What can you do? Three, this is such a key. It's so simple but so important. Build a relationship with a brother or sister in Jesus who doesn't look like you. That's a challenge. In fact, because of this initiative, a bunch of white pastors now have a close friend who's a black pastor and vice versa. It's called intentional relationship. I mean this intentional. I would like to become your friend because I want to hear your experience. I want to learn from you. And maybe you want to learn from me too. That kind of intentional. Pastor Josh, in his message in June, talked about his friendship with Pastor Tommy Leonard at New Season Christian Center. Uh, Excellent pastor, excellent brother. I'm so happy that those two brothers have that intentional relationship. All of us can do this. Any of us can do this. Just look around your life, let the Holy Spirit lead you, and then find that person and build that relationship. And so now I have to talk about these people. One more photograph. Now, these are my brothers. Can you see the family resemblance? (laughs) I know I'm going to cry about this, but I have to share it. This is me on the left in the center, Pastor Mel Williams, greater, no, Dominion Church of God in Christ, and then on the right, Pastor Kent Redford, MCA, Muldoon Community Assembly of God. And here's what we did. We were together for a giant event in the Georgia Dome in Atlanta, Georgia in 1996. It was brought together by Promise Keepers. You know, I remember Promise Keepers. Promise Keepers was a giant Christian men's movement across this country, gathering men in these large stadiums and arenas to worship God and celebrate our unity. But they had this one in Atlanta just for pastors. We were in the Georgia Dome with like 50,000 pastors. And the message was, go home and link up with someone that doesn't look like you. So Mel and Kent and I, three guys from Anchorage, looked at each other and said, do you want to do this? And later we found out All three of us inside really, really did want to do that. All three of us had concerns about being loners. You know what I mean? Isolated, solitary type pastors. It can be done. All three of us felt a need 
an urgency to have a brother who's a peer in a similar environment, but not exactly your environment, just to become a friend. This is kind of how guys do it, I guess. We just decided to be friends, okay? I remember telling Kent, I think God wants us to be friends. I felt very awkward. (laughs) Who talks like that? But then Kent said to me, I was going to say it to you, but I was afraid to say it. Then I felt like the hero. (laughs) What did we do? The three of us just started meeting together to have lunch. And we've been doing it for 24 years. We just kept doing it. And sometimes we talk about football. and Sometimes we talk about just, you know, nothing. And sometimes we're talking about the most deep, personal, intimate, sensitive issues of life. Marriage and raising kids and raising adult kids and, and ministry, of course, and everything. And my brother Mel, he's such a treasure to me. He's such a great person. And I could ask him questions. Mel, what happens to you when a cop pulls you over? Your two sons, Chucky and Joey, what did you have to tell them about this? And I just listened to the man, and I trust him utterly, and he loves me. And then I respond like this, really? That kind of stuff happened to you and your sons in this city? And I know it's real. And Mel's not trying to make me feel bad. There's no victimization. It's just simply enough love to share personal experiences. I could go on and on for a long, long time. We've had pastors in Anchorage tell the three of us, we wish we had what you guys have. One time, Mel Williams came and spoke in this church, actually several times. And one time he spoke in this room, in the gym. It was when we were remodeling that auditorium. We had services in here for a while. We were doing a series called The Journey Out. We were trying to do a series about get out of your little world and reach out to people, neighbors and coworkers and stuff. And Mel came and spoke in this gym, and he said this. He said, Rick, you made the journey out to me. Never forget that. What a beautiful thing to say. And, of course, he made the journey out to this white guy. And I've heard him say, My brother Mel, who I showed you, in public, he'll say, 10 years ago, if you told me my two best friends were two white guys, never. I said, Mel, really? He said, yeah. I learned about soul food. (laughs) African-American people took the leftovers and the weeds that grew in the ditch and even like out of the garbage almost and made it into a beautiful cultural food. I had chitlins. I did. (laughs) One time. They're awful. (laughs) So I can say that by God's grace, it's like we just stumbled into this wonderful gift. I have an intentional relationship with a brother who doesn't look like me and has done nothing but enrich all of our lives. During these years, I stepped out of being a senior pastor. During the same years, Mel started a new church. He stepped into being a senior pastor. We help each other go through all of that. They're the brothers I never had, and I'm so thankful. And I'm encouraging you to experience the same thing. Find someone that doesn't look like you, begin a relationship. It may be awkward, and let God lead you. And most of all, here's the most important thing. Begin the conversation, but most importantly, listen. Listen with your ears and your heart. Allow God to use those shared experiences to change your heart, to reveal things inside of you as you hear the stories and experiences of others. 
I'm almost done. What can you do? Pray, build a relationship. Here's what you can do. What John said in 1 John 4, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. That's how simple it can be. And we can love each other, not just with our own human, well-intended, but, you know, weak love. We can love each other with love that is God's love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. God's own love for other people can flow through us to other people. We can see them and love them the way that God does. And here's the last verse for today. It's Revelation. We started in Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. This is the vision. As I read it, I hope you can see it. John saw it. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar, The one who sits on the throne. I like shouting and loud roars because I have this loud voice, so I appreciate that. Now, did you see something? Ethnicity is forever. This is heaven. This is forever. It came from God. God created all the nations and all the languages and all the peoples and all the tribes. And apparently... All the nations and tribes and peoples and languages are in heaven. Ethnicity is forever. Apparently, all that diversity is beautiful to him. And it glorifies him to have all the nations around his throne worshiping Almighty God. Can you see that? By the way, there's really only one race, you see. The word race ought to be abolished. There's only one race, the human race. We're all the same, made in God's image. If you cut me and cut you, whatever your skin color, the blood color is the same, red. One blood. If you're B positive and I'm B positive and I need your blood, hook me up. I don't care what color your skin is. I want that B positive blood. It's all the same. One DNA. One race. Did you know actually there's only one skin color? Did you know that? I just have less of it than some of you. That's all there is to it. The picture is of eternal ethnic national diversity in unity, worshiping around the throne of God. By the way, aren't you glad he's on the throne? That hasn't changed in the last half hour. He's still on the throne. There's one throne and God is on it. Amen. And that picture of the perfect, that's when racism is gone forever, you see. When Jesus comes and we're all there around the throne. But the church can be a picture of that now. And we're supposed to be as much as we can be in this life. God help us. And that's why Jesus said, when you pray, you're supposed to pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus started that. He brought heaven to earth. He brought the kingdom. He started it. He modeled it. And he wants it to continue. That's what he prayed for that night. He wants it to be seen in us. 
So people will see, oh, that's what heaven's going to be like. How awesome is that? I'm grateful. I'm honored to present this message today. I'm excited to think about my brothers and sisters all across this city presenting the same message and all these different voices today. How awesome is that? I'm praying for all of them. They're praying for me. One message, many voices. Reconciliation, race, justice, and the gospel. Thank you. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. And I just ask you, please, to stand with me if you can. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. It's a prayer that I wrote for us to pray together. And I think you'll be able to pray all these words with all your heart. Maybe for the first time, we'll see. And then we're going to sing praise to God as we close today. Everyone, please close your eyes. Repeat after me. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins, to reconcile me to you. Show me my hidden sins, even any racism in me, and forgive me. Help me love others as you have loved me. Let me see people the way you see people. Let the world see your love and your vision through us. God bless our country. God bless our city. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.